1: Love Talk radio.
0: It's February 19th, 2017. Hello and welcome to Working for a Living Radio Show, where progressives for change present opinions that matter. Tonight we're joined by co-hosts Jeff Brown and David Fillion. I'm your moderator, Leroy McKnight. We certainly hope everyone stayed safe throughout the week and enjoyed the beautiful weather at least here in, in the Midwest this uh, weekend. Saturday and Sunday were just gorgeous, gorgeous days. Uh, let's start off with our announcements. Uh, Honeywell members represented by UAW Local 9 and uh, Local Union 1508 remain locked out of their work. Yeah, locked out. The company locked them out so they couldn't go to work. Uh, the team Working for Lemon continues our support for them And on Tuesday, February 21st, Local Union 9 will again be at the negotiating table with a mediator. To say the least, everyone is watching and desires a fair agreement for our brothers and sisters at Honeywell. We again want to remember that this is Black History Month, uh, and it's just filled with rich history that many people will find very interesting. Jeff will have more on that later in the show. Announcement number three uh, We are pleased to announce that last week in New Hampshire, right to work legislation failed their legislati- legislators by a vote of 200 to 177. Fourth announcement the Iowa legislators have proposed legislation that would make sweeping changes to collective bargaining laws for public sector workers. This legislation is very similar to the aggrievous legislation of 2011 in the uh, state of Wisconsin. Uh, item number five, unfortunately, 18 workers were fired at Bradley Coatings, Inc. of Nolensville, Tennessee, for participating in a day without immigrants. Wow. Take a day off and you lose your job just because you said there was a cause for it. Item number six It's a late item for some. Uh, On uh, GM's February 7th conference call, we heard about the poor performance of European operations. We reported that here last week on the show, and uh, that was blamed on Brexit. This week, there is news that General Motors may sell off their European operations. I guess they didn't like having a bad bad sector in the world. Uh, so uh, we have some email to tonight. Um, uh, we listen to, first one, we listen to your show every week and enjoy the education very much. You just don't hear about this information on mainstream media. Thank you for doing this show. That's from Leslie in Missouri. Uh, The second one is uh, Leroy. Last week in your report, you read something from the Teamsters. As I recall, there was something about using dues monies to campaign. Leroy, can you tell us more about that, and is it legal or illegal? Andrea from Indiana. Well, Andrea... Um, Thank you for your uh, uh, email and your question. And so, of course, Leslie, thank you for your email as well of of praise. We really appreciate that. Uh, But to Andrea's question, um, you may not use dues dollars to campaign, and I think that's what was being alleged in the uh, piece that went out from the the Teamsters uh, uh, against Hoffa Hill. They're alleging that they used a lot of money uh, in dues dollars for their campaign, directly or indirectly, I suppose. (laughs) However that is, uh, they made that statement, not us. Uh, So uh, while we support uh, Brother Fred uh, and uh, all of his efforts uh, in the Teamsters' opposition, we, we're not the ones making those allegations. So that you know, uh, there is federal law that covers this matter. Uh, Title 29 is the uh, code uh, that covers all things labor. Uh, Title 29, USC, otherwise known as U.S. Code, and this is uh, paragraph 481, Terms of Office and Election Procedures. Now, this is just... Uh, paragraph g out of this and i'll read it to you uh, use of dues assessments or similar levies and funds of of employer for promotion of a candidate of candidacy of a person that's the title of the paragraph and it goes on to say no monies received by any labor organization by way of dues assessment, or similar levy, and no monies of an employer shall be contributed or or applied to promote the candidacy of any person in any election subject to the provisions of this subchapter. Such monies of a labor organization may be utilized for notices, factual statements of issues not involving candidates and other expenses necessary for holding of an election. So that's uh, what they're not allowed to do and what they are allowed to do with some money. You know, they're allowed to have an election. You know, money's allowed to be used to hold the election. Now, there's penalties for these violations. Okay, in this instance, any person who willfully violates this section shall be fined, not more than ten thousand dollars or imprisoned for not more than five years or both now there's something in the law called uh, per count, <laughs> okay so depending on the prosecutor uh whether it's a federal or local prosecutor, per count uh, means that that's uh multiplied for every time that you violated the the law. Uh, in this instance, any person who willfully violates this section, be fined more than not more than ten thousand, or imprisoned for not more than five years, or both. Again, that could be dependent on the prosecutor. Each instance of violation. So, if you prison for fifty years and a hundred thousand dollar fine, or both. So uh, this is this is pretty serious stuff. Uh, we'll just stick with the 10,000 or five years because that sort of gets everybody's attention anyhow. And there's a number of things that uh, you uh, may not do in addition to this uh, uh, whole matter of abusing dues dollars. You may not have a felony on your record and hold office. Any number of things, uh, it's worth taken a look at and reading uh, all of this uh, 481, paragraph 481 and 482, Title 29, U.S. Code Law. So if you get a chance, it's worth taking a look at. Uh, I hope that answers your question. Uh, I also have follow-up information on a question from last week. They Uh, It was a three-part question. The part that seemed to be a bit unclear was access to the local union uh, minutes and financial records. Um, The trustees have absolute access to the financial records and may do an audit at any time they choose. They call an audit and they can have one. Uh, In that area of the Constitution, the UAW Constitution, uh, it didn't seem to provide individual access. So I'm going to suggest the following. Just to be on the safe side, if you really want to review financial records, at your union meeting for the general membership, make a motion, have it seconded, and have enough people there to get it passed, that simply says, we direct the trustees to call for an audit. And we direct the trustees to conduct such audit in the auditorium of our union hall where it can be watched, not anything touched or copied, while well, it can be watched by interested members over the shoulders of the trustees as they do the audit And that questions may be directed to the chair of the trustees. And get that supported, get it passed, and you will have an open audit for the membership only. And the sergeant arms, you might want to include, keep everybody else out of the auditorium that's not a member. Having said that, uh, that's the follow-up answer to the uh, question that came up last week that I did a little research on had a lot of a lot of things we took a look at constitutionally uh th- this this week. Uh we'll uh, talk a little bit about that in my report uh, in addition. So uh let's uh take a look before we get into this week in worker news. Uh we have a quote, one of my favorites. Uh you you can't win the Kentucky Derby with a plow horse. And I got to say that's just about for any candidate, whether it's a union candidate or a a candidate that's out there in the general public. If you can't talk or you can't write and you're afraid to uh, do interviews, um, you're just simply uh, not a good candidate material. (laughs) You're not going to win. You really do need some basic skills uh, in order to do that, no matter how much of a professional you may think you are. So, uh, there are certain basic skills. And of course, a plow horse doesn't have those skills and a Kentucky Derby race horse does have the skills to win a Kentucky Derby. So it's a nice analogy for any politicians out there, whether you're union or non-union. Uh, and that's not to be hard on anybody. It's just a matter of fact, you got to have certain skills, uh, and so. Uh with that said, uh, let me bring on our other co hosts here this evening. Uh let's bring on Jeff. Jeff Brown, are you there?
1: Yeah, hi Leroy. Hi. I'm How are you doing? Yeah. Um I've had a busy week <laughs> to say the least. But uh we're doing okay. Okay, good. Good. Uh, well,
0: did you enjoy this weather?
1: Uh, I was stuck in a meeting for most of the day. and uh, Okay. But, yeah, it's hard to it's believe it's nice 70 degrees in February. Yeah, I know. <laughs>
0: I know it. Yeah, especially here in the Midwest in February. Wow. Uh, let me bring on David and see how he's doing. Hi, hey, David. Right, how are you Joe? doing?
2: How? Good. I'm doing okay.
0: Good. Good. You've been able to
2: much today. Yeah, it's been a little bit under the weather. I got dropped off on another virus, um, so it's uh, ibuprofen time and chicken soup. But I'll be okay in a few days.
0: Okay. All right. Um, well, uh, I, I hope you uh, you know are able to recover from that little bit of. Uh, flu bug you got there, but end you know, it's just been gorgeous this weekend, I tell you, it, uh, you know, like, around campus a little bit, and they all the students are out walking, and it's just, you know, they're just full of life over there, the young people, so it's kind of nice. Uh, having said that, um, Jeff, I think you have a little follow-up uh, on Part 2 of Black History Month for our mm-hmm. For our show here, uh, actually kind of part three in a sense, because we just made the announcement in absence on the Super Bowl night, absence of our radio show. But uh, if you want to go ahead and take that, uh, Jeff, and start your report, go ahead.
1: Yeah, I, I have a short one today, Leroy, because um, I've been busy all week. But um, there is a book. I can't remember its name. I have it, and I couldn't find it. It was a book... Um, concerning James Earl Ray and in the book it was forwarded by um, uh, Reverend Jesse Jackson and he said that uh, James Earl at the time deserved uh, another trial that there was evidence that uh, Mr. Ray was found innocent to him Um, the book uh, James O'Reilly started off at, he escaped prison, flew to California, London, met some guy he got, um, and he got close friends with this gentleman in London. So he flew back and the guy was using a false name and he got involved, James O'Reilly got involved with gun running to Mexico and all kinds of crazy stuff and he was, make the long story short, um, he was told to purchase a rifle and go to this one hotel and rent it, you know, reserve the room and leave for a while. Um, while he was out driving around, The hotel was exactly the same hotel that Dr. King was in, right across the way. You just look out the window and you can see Dr. King's room. He heard on the radio that Dr. King had been shot and that they were looking for a white Mustang. Well, James O'Reilly had a white Mustang. He went to a store, bought some paint, and painted his vehicle yellow. Um, while he was in prison, he, um, he kept thinking about he needed another trial. He thought he was innocent. And it was kind of an interesting book, I thought. Um, he had no, he was not the one who killed Dr. Ray, Dr. King, rather. Um, because the government's lied to us. They always have, you know, about everything. In 1999, the King family sued the U.S. government over Dr. King's death, and they won. They won the lawsuit, and they proved that our government was behind the killing of Dr. King. Um, Like I said, I can't remember the name. I had the book. I just started looking for it, and I couldn't find it. And then there's another book called All Labor Has Dignity. And that is a collection of all of Dr. King's speeches that he made throughout his life at union conventions. And he always ended his speech the same way he ended his I Have a Dream speech. I talked about this book at our union meeting today and as soon as the meeting was over, I had people coming to me asking me the name of the book. And they were arriving in town. Um, sadly to say, um, you know, during what happened last week, where somebody was reading uh, Mrs. King's letter about Jeff Sessions, um, the man is not, he's unfit to be Attorney General. It just, Dr. King is one of my heroes that I look up to. Because when I was little, um, every night on TV news, we, we always heard something about Vietnam. They always mentioned Dr. King and, and Walter Ruther. It seemed like every night those three things were talked about. Dr. King, Walter Ruther, Arthur King. And that was when I was a little here in the Detroit area. Um, in a personal experience, I've, I told only a few people this. When I was five years old, I lived on a military base in North Carolina called Cherry Point Marine Base. And one day I was outside playing with my Tonka truck, Tonka toy truck, all metal back then, and this.
2: A little older
1: boy came up to me. I don't remember his name. what's five years old. But he was much taller than me. I knew he was older than me. And he looked at me and he says, people don't like me. And I accept their S thinking, and I asked him why. He says, because I am, and he used the N word. That's the first time I ever heard that word. So at the dinner table that night, I remember this clearest day as like it was yesterday. Um, I told my parents, I, this young boy, told me people didn't like him because he wasn't. And I repeated the word. I got backhanded so hard that I was planted on the floor. And they told my parents, you know, scream, don't ever use that word again. They never explained to me why. I thought, you know, I couldn't understand why I got hit off my chair. And as I grew I started to understand more and more about civil rights. I was on the Civil Rights Committee in my plant years ago. Um, it's near and dear to my heart, the Civil Rights Committee. They, and people—it's—it um, just makes me mad to no end that we have all this hatred, even today, after what President Johnson did in nineteen sixty-four with the Civil Rights Act. When I was in, living in Texas, I was in junior high. I played on a little league team, and we had one black person and one black boy on our team, and he was a catcher. After the game, no. One game we had, the other team was really harassing my co-teammate. So the next time we played that team, I was playing shortstop, and I was giving him all kinds of hell to batter and after the game, the catcher approached this boy before we got to the parking lot. And he was just rigging right at me. slapped the kid to the face, and my parents wanted to get in the car. And I said, no, I'm going to stand here with my teammate. I'm going to support him. The, the other kid did not raise a finger to to my teammate. We stuck together. And that was my friend. That was my co-worker, my co- my teammate. And as I got into the plant, we our Miles got sued when the plant first opened by the U.S. government because they didn't hire enough minorities. Yet so many miles have been up big major population, you're supposed to have a quota of how many minorities you're supposed to be hiring, and the Japanese failed to do that, so they were sued. Um, There was 100,000 people who applied for for a job at Mao's at the time, and they only hired 3,000. Think about this. 100,000 people sent in resumes in 1984 or 1985, and they started hiring in 1987. I was one of 3,000 people to make it. I have many, many African American friends and co workers, and they look up to me because I speak the truth. You know, the, the gentleman who, in the 1968 Olympics, who won the gold medal, him and his teammate holding that fist up in the air was very courageous the way he did it. And he said that he lost his wife, the marriage was lost, he lost his friends for doing it. But he also said that if he had this chance to do it over again, he'd raise his fist in the air just like he did. I look up to people like the uh, you know Those who stand against suppression are heroes. We had some suppress- suppression today at my union meeting, and I raised some hell. I let them know where I was coming from. And it's the first union meeting I've been to in a long time. Happened to me. I was walking out. A lot of my friends, and coworkers, you know, gave me a hug and said, "Jeff, you're the only one that ever says anything right." Because I had our local president captured. He, I caught I could bring charges up on him today for not upholding the, our constitution. And he, he, when the election he take an oath of office to uphold of the Constitution. And I read Section 28, Section 2 on um, Union Elections. And as I was speaking, some jerk who I don't know said there was a motion on the floor, and I turned around and said, no, there isn't. And I made my point clear enough. I also wrote, talk about, um, there's only one race in my mind, and that's the human race. I want people to remember that. I don't see color. I don't see sex, you know, the gen- gender thing. I judge people on whether or not they're an asshole. That's how I do my business. I educate people. They come to me for questions. I get them an answer. If I don't have the answer, I find an answer for them. Leroy and I helped somebody this weekend. I'm going to continue to be that way. And I'm going, well, Leroy and I are going to run for international positions at the next convention. We are going to win because everybody I have talked to across the country are tired of seeing the corruption in this union. That's getting off a little bit of the black history, Month thing. I I wanted to say this to our members listening. We take a lot of pride. We do a lot of good. We don't do this for recognition. We do this to educate our our members and other people who are interested in learning. Black History Month is very important. Because I think there was a quote, I I may say this wrong, um, you have to know your past before you can move forward. You have to know your history before you move forward. Otherwise, you're going to make the same mistakes. I want people to understand that. There are people out there who know things. Educate yourself. My son, my oldest son, his best friend is a black, child, black man. And I consider him my adopted son because he spent more time at my house with my son than he did at home. I educated him along with my other my son's other friends on, on race. And I hate to see that the race wars are still coming. We had the KKK just in a product 10 minute drive from where I live right now who went through the neighborhoods in a, in a nearby city dropping leaflets at everybody's house to me that's unacceptable it's unacceptable I have the KKK walk through the city streets dropping off pamphlets that's all I have anyway I'll save more for next week at our final show for the month you know I just I'm very aggravated right now and I'll talk more about that later in the show that's all I got for now anyway thank you
0: okay thank you Jeff that was a real nice report um, on black history and a little bit about uh, who and what you are and your Reasons for some of the things that you do, uh, and it's clear that you're always out there educating the membership and doing your best to stick up for those people who are disadvantaged in any way. And uh, I want to say that we did help somebody uh, in, uh, you know, probably if Jeff had to mention it, which went unsaid. But we don't do this for glory, or recognition. We do it because it's the right thing to do. And some of us have knowledge base greater than some of the new people out there, and we're happy to share that when we can to help them, to make sure our union is following all the rules and that our members are represented in their interest. And uh, Jeff does that every day. Uh, We have contact uh, many times during the week, and it's always interesting and a pleasure to to talk with with Jeff on the issues that are before him on any given day. So I want to say thank you for everything you do, Jeff. The membership uh, will be well served when you're elected to the position you're seeking. So thank you for your report and, uh, and everything that you had to say in addition to the black history month. And that was very interesting in and of itself, by the way. So, uh, uh, let's, uh, see if David's ready with his report. David, uh, you got a report for us this evening?
2: Yeah, Larry, I do. Um, okay. Some disappointing news. Um, Comes out of South, South Carolina, um, Boeing workers um, overwhelmingly voted against unionization. Um, they uh, voted 74.2% against unionization. Um, 2,097 of 2,828 workers voting. Um, so that's pretty disappointing. Um, They must wait now Another year down there Before they can take another vote Those are NLRP rules That dictate that Um, Quite possibly the Machinist Union should be looking at um, Whether or not um, Unfair labor practices Played uh, um, Any influence in this Um, election, um, because this is um, a state where um, they consider themselves very anti-union, the legislators do. Um, Nikki Haley, um, she was the former governor of uh, South Carolina. In 2012, um, she had made a statement. Um, that we will make the unions understand full well that they are not needed, not wanted, and not welcome in the state of Carol- in the state of South Carolina. So it's pretty damaging um, and uh currently um labor statistics um for twenty sixteen figures this is from the labor bureau only fifty two thousand South Carolina workers have union representation. Um, we have uh, some textile mills down there um that uh do have unions um but generally um, that's about it for unionization in that in that state. Um Nikki Haley is now um, Donald Trump's ambassador to the United Nations sits in his cabinet. Um, you have uh, the new uh, governor down there, Henry McTav- McMaster. Um, he as well reiterates the chance of Nikki Haley but he doesn't feel unions are needed in the state. So it's an uphill battle. Um, these workers were probably barraged with um, anti-union media sentiment, um, possibly in the newspapers, um, on the news, in the media. So it's very difficult um to organize in these states where you have um, Republicans working so hard to keep unions out. Um, Another issue um, that I'd like to talk about are the workers themselves. Um, What we see in the auto industry, and it probably is in other corporations as well, Um, Today, a very sophisticated testing of applicants for employment is used. Um, The screening seeks to deliver corporation workers with a company-favorable personality type. So the qualifications for employment are no longer just a physical ability to perform work, x-rays, hearing, vision tests, as well as drug screening, but additionally that you have a company-oriented mindset in order to qualify to be hired. And then after you do get hired into um, the corporation, additional indoctrination occurs to the point that over time the workers can actually get to the point of exhibiting learned hopelessness Nothing can ever get any better. This is what it is. This is what we got. We can't simply do any better. And then, even or, you may say, Stockholm Syndrome, corporate Stockholm Syndrome, this is a situation where the employer, or the employees, rather, actually um, learn to... um, love the corporation more than they do um, themselves. That'll take less just to be in the favor of the corporation and sometimes speak out against their coworkers. So down there at uh, South Carolina I would have to say that what happens next is totally up to the workers in that facility. Are they going to succumb to learned hopelessness, Stockholm Syndrome, be captors of the corporations? There was never enough threat down there to pull the um, plant out of South Carolina. Millions of dollars were spent to... Um, bring that plant down there. And highly unlikely they had any intentions of leaving. So don't exactly know what was told to these workers, but um, unionization is definitely in their um, best interest. Uh, leadership on the other hand, we've seen um, in the past, that the leadership of the machinist union, um, they they attempted to remove their leadership. You have attempts now to remove of Hall, and we've been continuously for decades trying to remove the Luther caucus from the UAW. This speaks very loudly. When I hired into to the corporation at General Motors, I didn't come there um, necessarily because I like to build cars. I came there because I wanted good benefits, good pay, hours of work, and namely a pension. Those were all things, elements of the job that I was looking for. All of those elements have been taken away through COA agreements with the corporations negotiated by our leaderships and our prospective unions. If we expect in the future to organize workers, we have to have something to offer these workers of some value. Because if you aren't going to get any of these benefits anyhow, What is the point to having a union? Because that's what unions do. They negotiate hours of work. Better working conditions. Those things are very important. And we've seen a slack in that. And to turn toward corporate unionism. And that needs to change. Change. And I believe that uh, that is the goal of teamwork in for a living, um, that we will indeed um, work toward those ends. We won't have to ask people to join the UAW. They'll knock on the door asking to come. So that's what I have there on this um, issue down at uh, South Carolina. And I hope uh, that they will take another vote down there and the Machinist Union will take a look at the issues and have the avenue to talk to these workers and take the uh, um, Republican element out of the vote down there. So if you have any questions or want to talk about this further, right I'll hand it over to you.
0: Okay, thanks, David. Uh, Jeff, do you have any questions for uh, David?
1: No, but I, I do seem to remember a couple of years back that Boeing left Seattle or wherever it was, the West Coast, to go to uh, South Carolina or North Carolina, wherever it is, because it was a right to work state.
2: And I remember
1: flipping through Fox News for some reason, I don't know why. And they had Sandy Pope on their show. Sandy Pope at that time was running against James Hoffman, the president of the Teamsters. And they were asking her questions about right to work and stuff like that. And as Sandy started to explain her position, they basically cut her off. So this is a calculated maneuver by Boeing it seems because when you're on the west coast they had the union and I believe um, Ron Gettlefinger was our president knew Alan Malawi from Boeing before he came to Ford because the workers out there were UAW members do you remember
0: any of that, Leroy? Yeah. Uh, they, they had some uh, uh, issues there with that uh, woman where they just, you know, this is typical uh, of a lot of conventions and, and uh, operations within the unions over time, where they just turn the microphone off and the person or reduce it uh, to a low volume and maybe even start with some surrounding background noise like they did at our last convention in the UAW with clickers. So this is, you know, Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's well-received, but it's certainly something that's been going on for a long, long time. Uh, And I I do remember that, Jeff. So I think I
2: have. So,
0: Yeah. Just un- unacceptable behavior Unacceptable yes, behavior You know uh, By organizations that are Supposed to be democratic They say they're democratic You know the the sole purpose of a Chairperson of any meeting Is to maintain order And if you Have clickers going off And you have people being uh, Disadvantaged By having their microphones turned off Etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera, that's simply unacceptable. You know, it's just it's wrong, and that chairperson is not doing their, their job, whoever it is, so as the chair. And uh, that's subject to appeal, actually. Uh, so, uh, and that all the business could be turned over, or overturned, rather, uh, if they are uh, so disposed uh, and somebody really go after them. And most of the time they get away with this because the people don't have enough money. Really go in and enforce their right as a union member. You heard when they their turn to have floor, and that the chairperson doesn't uh, uh, do their job by enforcing order. So uh, proper order that is. Uh, anything else on that, Jeff?
1: No, that's all, that's what I remember from a few years ago. So that's all okay. I got.
0: All right. Thank you um david you got anything more on that or on on what jeff uh had i forgot to ask you what had anything on what jeff might have uh, uh reported out
2: no i don't really
0: okay all right sounds good uh i want to just say something real quick the um uh appeal uh, uh that is in for the ford local 600 uh is uh, still alive. It's uh, been sent in by Brother Art Peterson for uh, reconsideration, uh, and he's waiting for their answer. And I just wanted to update that Art asked that we update a little bit. He'll be having more to report on that as time goes by uh, once he gets any sort of an answer back. Uh, With regard to the other appeal on the uh, General Motors pensions, uh, the the Public Review Board of the UAW uh, responded uh, and that response, uh, I I had been involved in writing all of the appeals, uh, the original appeal and then the following appeal to the IAB and to the Public Review Board. Uh, and I've yet to get that answer, last answer, out of the public review board. But there are plans to move forward with that once we do get that. Uh, I'm not sure why the uh, uh, person that whose name is actually on it uh, didn't uh, forward that. Uh, but uh, uh, we'll, we'll iron that out as time goes by uh, and try and get this uh, – Resolved because 700,000 pensions are potential at risk over that being cut by 50%, potentially. Certainly, everybody is at risk that retired after 2008. If you're under 62, you have extraordinary risk. You would get half of the vested portion, so your $3,170 pension under age 62 would be reduced to half of the vested portion, which is about $1,400. So you'd get in the neighborhood, depending on how many years you had when you actually went out, $700 to $800 a month. That's not good because it says whatever the Pension Guarantee Trust Board or PBGC, Pension Benefit Guarantee Corporation, uh or the 50% of your pension, vested pension, or whatever is less, the lesser of either. So the lesser could be as low as 750 to 800, to 700 to 800 dollars. So just, uh, just you know, that's how important this is. Uh, a lot of people are at risk, and uh, I'd hate to see one one person holding this up uh, so that we couldn't move forward on that. Uh, and it's unfortunate that others didn't uh, file it in their own division when they had the opportunity. Uh, Having said that, I'll get on with my report. Uh, Thank you, Brother Peterson, for everything you're doing in regard to that, by the way, uh, so that you uh, can be successful at at some point in the end here. We'll uh, keep updating the membership as, as these reports come in. All right, so uh, I'm going to cover the latest on our uh, UAW here. Um, Dennis Williams has asked to meet with President Donald Trump. I would note that the President didn't ask Dennis Williams like he asked the building trades and some other union officials to come in and say hi. Um, I would I'd be disappointed in that myself if I were president of the UAW and president of the United States uh, didn't uh, take the time to uh, say hi or send somebody to say hi or ask you into one of the meetings when they had unionism involved in it. So I'm not sure how that's going to go with President Trump and President Dennis Williams of the UAW, but we'll see. Uh, you know, it's always good to keep an open dialogue. Uh, we'll see if Trump even accepts the invitation. Uh, having said that, um, I want to talk a little bit about this profit-sharing thing. You know, everybody's gotten used to that, profit-sharing. And Dennis Williams in his roundtable table meeting was bragging about how all the profits came in and there's $12,000 for General Motors in particular and big profit-sharing checks going out right now. And our members have gotten used to having those big profit-sharing checks come in and not be placed in their basic pay. we could say that would be a clawback thing, putting it in our basic pay. Because that would, you know, just make it a little better for everybody. You'd get the money, you know, weekly instead of once a year. And, brothers and sisters, pay attention. If the profits aren't $10 billion a year, and we know that Ford has made an adjustment in their accounting system for the pension plan to market, to market, which means even if they don't sell it, if it does go down in value, they can claim that as a loss. They don't sell the stock. Even though the stock is worth less at the end of the year, they can claim it as a loss, and they can carry that back into their own general accounting so they might make money, but because of creative accounting and a different accounting system, it's legal. They wouldn't show a profit in a market downturn. Likely that they wouldn't, or not as much at least. And then you wouldn't get that twelve thousand, nine thousand, whatever and pension. Uh so uh you really need to rethink the idea of profit-sharing versus wages. We talk about this every now and then on the show. And, you know, I want to reiterate that Dennis Williams in his white shirt day uh, message in Local Union 599, the old Buick Hall, because they don't represent any members anymore that are active they just have the retirees because that's all been closed by buick over there they uh didn't talk about he didn't talk about clawback in any any fashion and this was just four days after february 11 or um, four days uh uh, february 11 was four days after the february 7th announcement by general motors of nine point three four three billion dollars in profits Dennis Williams didn't say, we would like to have a little portion of that. Where's our share in his message? He didn't say that. And his roundtable, he said, we'll work with the companies so that make them more competitive. Um, the, uh, uh, the UAW is, is starting a Buy American campaign, another one. The Buy American campaign gets a little confusing when you have uh, the desire to buy product built by union made in America. And there are so many foreign cars built in America that people can say, I bought American. It's a foreign brand of some manner. But it was made here in the United States, so I bought American. So I'm, you know, I I have, uh, uh, and I've been talking to folks, they have dubious thoughts on the outcome of this Buy American campaign. Are we just spending money just to spend it? Because Buy Union might be a little different and then change, you know, our image of union would probably be better uh, served for our membership. You know, let's just educate the the public as to the benefits of a union. And when unions work best, they do it in the interest of the membership, not to make the company competitive. So uh he uh in his round Dennis Williams in his round table meeting uh report first of all he opened it by saying happy new year <laughs> it's in the middle of the 16th i think it was the 16th that he did this february 16th and you know you're a little late uh, i just found that very interesting happy new year uh had a lot of holidays go by since the first of the year i wonder why he didn't say well happy this and that day too uh, the, he reported the LM2 reports will show the UAW growing in membership, and it's in the black. He didn't say that that's because of a 25% dues increase. He just said it's in the black. We didn't gain enough members or dues dollars or get wage increases to, ju- to say that we were in the black. We just had a dues, a dues increase. So wages and membership might be up a little, but not much. Not to justify us being in the black. If you take that out of there, i bet you we're still in the red. Take that 25% dues increase. Uh, we have uh, already discussed about the bonuses and how if the market goes down and we don't sell quite as many cars, those bonuses aren't going to get paid as big, if at all and you'd have been better off having it in your wage package. Uh, he talked about NAFTA, and he's watching how it's being renegotiated. We talk about that on the show, how it ought to be renegotiated or negotiated in, in its inception from time to time. You can't pair up two first-tier world, first uh, world economies with a third-tier world economy and expect it to be fair. And it wasn't. And here's some, let's see, it's signed in 93, so it's 20, 23 and change later. December 8th just was just not long ago. That's when they signed it. So 23 years old, and it's uh, just still not working very well. Uh, he said he's had some surveys with the members about the election, and I'm um, sure that they did have some surveys with some members about the election. Uh, I think we have to really educate our members based on those sort of things. It's good that they're doing that, at least trying. Uh, He also had some reservations about what's going on uh, in Washington regarding the ACA. Uh, Without that, many of our members would be uh, disadvantaged in our health care. I don't think it affects our Detroit Three folk, but it likely does affect those making uh, a lot less money uh, in their uh, benefit package, Uh, and I think our Detroit Three are not in that instance. Uh, He's worried about oil prices, not that he can do too much about it. It might affect our industry and sales, and, of course, that's uh, a real concern. And he's really concerned about the immigra- immigration um, policies and the rhetoric that's been going on. And of course, that's you know been reiterated here on this show by this caucus uh, for some time. Uh, we believe in fairness and tolerance between everybody. You know, there was a rant by this guy Catfish. Uh, and he's talking about, well, you know, people that do this and people that do that. And then they, you know, they, if you get a you know, motorcycle rider right next to the guy, and might be different race or ethnicity or uh, religion, but when they're motorcycle riders, they're just motorcycle buddies or friends at some that measure. So that's real important that we have tolerance. And a fellow said, uh, you know, some people don't want their kids talking to other other groups. And he said, I want my kids to talk to them. I want them to get along. I want them to understand that they're all, all human. We're all just here to get along and have a good time. So having said that, uh, that's about the uh, uh, end of my report regarding uh, the things in the uh, UAW, and we're wrapping it up here right at 8 o'clock, I think. I'll ask, Jeff, do you have any questions or comments on, on my report?
1: No, I don't have any questions or comments on your report. Okay, thank you. David? Um,
2: did you mention um, how Dennis uh, referred to the sit-down strike? <laughs> yeah, he
0: called it the, the flint-down strike. seemed like Paul. Yeah, over there in Flint. They I'll tell you what he had three three former international executive board members sitting there. Two had been uh uh vice presidents of the GM department and one was actually the Financial Secretary Treasurer. And of course he had the current uh Region one D director sitting right next to him and they when he said that they all just rolled their eyes and looked up and just I, I i tell you he's just so out of touch with things he's just just i tell you I just can't imagine how somebody that really didn't do much, he never built a car in his life can re- relate to those hard working people I mentioned it last week. He just looked out you know out of place he looked nervous he was making faux pas like calling it the flint the flint down strike. You know, I tell you, I guess we all make mistakes from time to time. But if you're, you know, you, you come from those roots, you just don't. And he he didn't. And you kind of wonder why he's where he's at. And I, I just cringe when I think about it. Uh, all the stuff and the backstories, the things that are going on behind the scenes that virtually very few members know about. And some of the people that do know about it don't understand how how it's actually occurring. So we'll get into that at some point. We'll have some fun with that one too. But he looked out of out of place. A president of UAW shouldn't look out of place in Flint. I tell you, (laughs) I don't know. It's where we started. Uh, of course, they didn't really honor that much in the last decade because they sold the Pioneer Hall, and now it's a head shop. So I guess maybe that's why he felt uncomfortable there. Uh, having said that, that's, I think, Jeff, or David, got any more on that or not?
2: No, I've got I just wanted to make sure I heard that correctly.
0: Yeah, he said it just like that. You can go to the video and see it. Anybody can go Spot probably I think it was 13 minute video and he's somewhere four or five minutes into it said that. that will be the
2: warning to everybody that we simply can't have leadership that's never worked on the plant floor before in the future. That's a good point.
0: Good point. We got people on the executive board right now never worked on the plant floor. Never, I mean, they come on as staff. Got to come on as staff and got promoted up through, and <laughs> I guess they're there, but they sure don't have any experience picking up gray iron, cylinder heads, cylinder blocks, camshafts, crankshafts, pistons, rods, none of that. None of it, you know. I just I just shake my head, you know. So anyhow, well, we're here four minutes after. Let's try and wrap this up. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening to our, our show here this evening. Uh, if, if you found value in it, please tell just one more person. We do try to report on a lot of stuff, and some of it gets a little negative and a little hard to take sometimes. It's hard for us to report it because it's so negative out there. We like to say some some good things when they do happen, but it's uh, just one of those one of those things. We're looking for the silver lining, and uh, when we can find it, we try to get that out there. But it, there's just so much negative going on; it just shakes your head. So, but uh, you find value in what we report, and some of the, the law that we quote out there, so that you can go read it for yourself. Most of it's in you know lay, layman's language, not in legalese. That you can go and determine. And, of course, there's case studies on, case law on it uh, that uh, then perfected over time. Uh, you can find us uh, on uh, iTunes, Stitcher, uh, Blog Talk Radio, and uh, Player FM. Those are all found up in the top right corner of workingforaliving.com. There's uh, links, there's little icons for all four of those shows over there in a the little block, four boxes there, uh, and you click on the one that suits you best, and you can go right to it and pick a show that you want to listen to or not. Uh, you know, it might be a current one or not, want to listen to a current one, go back. July 31st, 2016 is a very interesting show. I encourage everybody to go uh, listen to that show. Last 40 minutes or so, if you want to just cut to the chase, that's probably one of the better ways of getting there. Having said all that, uh, uh, Jeff, do you have anything else to say uh, regarding our show this evening before we say good night?
1: No, um, I'll save it for next week because I have a rant to go on with Mr. Settles, and I'll do that next week. All right,
0: sounds good. Uh, David, do you have anything else to add to the show tonight before we say good night?
2: Um, I would like to uh, extend um, a wish of good luck to uh, the bargaining team of uh, Local 9 um, when they sit down to the table um, this week, um, that they get a fair agreement and that they protect their retirees. Okay. That's all Oliver. I uh
0: that, That's the uh, wishes and the expression of everybody in our uh, team call this week as well so that everybody knows. Uh, there's a number of people that are uh, not on the air that are part of our leadership team, and we talk once a week. Not everybody can make it all the time, but uh, this was expressed uh, directly in the meeting or, in you know, to me through uh, other other calls that we had through the week. Uh, so they need to know down there in Local Union Nine that our entire leadership team, on air and off air, has expressed the same thing that David just said. We wish them the very best. So, thank you. Having said that, uh, let's say uh, good night to all our listeners. and I'll say good night, David, and good night, Jeff. And thanks you. Thank both of you for everything you do on our show and behind the scenes. Have a good night, everybody. Bye bye. Good, good
2: night, guys. everybody.